Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is NFL Trend Zone. I am your host, Dustin Baker, here with Wes Johnson, Cody Spears tonight. We're back after a three-week layoff, a couple vacations transpired, and COVID for your humble host last week. Feeling better now, though, and we're going to jump into the NFL's topics this week, starting with the strange congressional hearing that took place today about the Washington Commanders. I want to ask Cody and Wes about some of the top five, six, seven picks in fantasy drafts. And then I want to pick their brain about a team that they think will make the playoffs that nobody else in the world quite knows about yet. Uh, We're going to go for about 40 minutes tonight on this podcast, and we'll basically just talk about all things NFL. Uh, First, however, our usual bet online segment, we're going to talk about our sponsor. Our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and information. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the NHL, Stanley Cup, uh, some of the latest fighting news, UFC and boxing stuff, and even next season's NFL's future bets. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use this promo code, B-L-E-A-V, believe to get uh, the bonus and to hop into that action. That's believe B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. All right, we are back after a three-week hiatus, and we have oh, about three, four, five topics tonight. And I want to start with Cody. So, if you you looked up on the television today, or you buried your face in your smartphone, you would have learned that there was a hearing uh, to examine the Washington Commanders and their business dealings. And the highlights from this were just a bunch of congressmen and congresswomen asking Goodell about NFL shit that like bugged them, whether it was Tom Brady and deflate gate or why the barstool guy isn't allowed at football games. I have no idea why it, it spiraled into a bitch fest about stuff like that. You can argue about on Twitter at any time. So Cody, what did I, did I miss? Was this just grandstanding or what the hell was this? I know a lot of people had to be like me and just be shocked to <laughs> see. I know I follow, um, uh, a few accounts on Twitter that I have notifications for, and they kept sending stuff about the Congress. And it was, you were wondering if it was a Saturday Night Live skit. I mean, you got people <laughs> dunking on Biden, talking about inflation. Um, let's see, I got a quote here about Mr. Brady. Um, let's see, uh, the goat, Mr. California Cool, the real Slim Brady, the master of the tuck, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings, Tom mm-hmm. Terrific. And then he goes on to talk about Deflate Gate. Um, I was hoping that y'all could clear some of this up for me. The, uh, I mean, there was just so much to unpack here. You even have someone saying that uh, it's it's crazy that they're even over here having to talk about the NFL with everything else going on in the country yeah. right now, and that we're wasting resources. It's, I mean, he got paid to be there. Something's uh, uh sixty million dollars to be commissioner of the NFL. So yeah. He's definitely sitting there taking those shots and was doing good at sidestepping the questions. It really makes you question maybe um, maybe his integrity as the commissioner of the league. 
Well, I just don't. Um, I mean, I guess he probably planned for everything, but this was just so strange because it the scope, unless I misinterpreted what this was supposed to be, the scope of the hearing was to chat about the commanders and Daniel Snyder. And it was just, I think it's because the NFL or excuse me, the Congress doesn't often get to get, uh, get their hands on the NFL mm-hmm. or the commissioner. And so basically it was like a, while you're here, let's, let's talk about Dave Portnoy. And I, I just didn't, <laughs> I didn't understand it. Uh, Wes, do you have some brighter, brighter things to chime in on this? Not really. I, I mean, I tried to catch up as much as possible. I've just been getting my ass kicked at work. So, oh, okay. Um, I, I didn't catch a lot of the, I guess, sidebar grievances and conversations they were having uh, outside of the the Snyder stuff. But um, to Cody's point in regards to Goodell's integrity, um, for Goodell, he's essentially the employee of the 32 NFL owners. He, his job is to be the shield to, to take all the mud um, and attention away from the owners. So in in a sense, I I guess he was doing his job by evading questions Um, for the, the Snyder bit. I mean, that just, it seems really grimy. He, uh, he, he wasn't uh, even up, there. No, well, that and he crazy. opened up a lawsuit um, over uh, overseas uh, in order to gain email, text message uh, information um, on his employees or former employees. And essentially, he built a case to uh, point the finger at uh, Bruce Allen, the former GM, to be his fall guy for it, it was Bruce Allen's fault um, that all this detrimental conduct was taking place. And it's just really grimy. It, it, it's coming from Snyder. I mean, Snyder is the the main culprit in all of this, but um, him eschewing that responsibility and doing it in such a, a grimy legal way is just yeah, fuck. I that can't guy. wait for a sixty for sixty on that whole yeah. organization. The whole Jay Gruden experience, Bruce Allen. I mean, you can't make that stuff up. We've yeah. talked before your time, Cody. We talked once or twice on this show about Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, eventually landing with the 49ers. And somebody asked him a couple of years ago what he missed about the Washington days, and he was like, Nothing. <laughs> and yeah, and he flat out, you know, that's all I needed to say. Uh, I think Goodell was in a strange spot because by by trade, he's in a very powerful position where he doesn't have to be questioned very much. You know, we call him Judge Dredd at times because he comes up with suspensions and doles out all the punishment. Um, but here he had to sit in front of a body that has more power than him. But then they asked a bunch of shit that didn't have anything to do with what he was going there for. So I guess I can't say I felt bad for him because he's not a terribly sympathetic figure, but there would have been times during that hearing that if I was him, I would have been like, what does this have to do with anything? Like it, it, it it's like everybody's uncle got to go talk football for an hour and they're like, by the way, what about deflate gate? They just didn't have any bearing in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on- He lost a lot of credibility today. Uh, at least from my point of view. Yeah, especially for someone he makes five times as much as other commissioners from the other leagues, and all of it just seems kind of gross, just like the Deshaun Watson stuff. So, I what mean, did you yeah. wanted him to 
jab back and forth with them uh, on uh, he represents the league and what he is doing with the owners and kind of taking the bullets for him and saying he doesn't have the power to remove Dan Snyder and he doesn't want to pursue that and just sidestepping these questions i mean he i saw on twitter someone said that he is the shield he's, yeah. he's he doesn't represent it he is and to me uh that's poor taste and bad representation. Uh, it falls kind of along the same lines of the Deshaun Watson stuff as far as giving um, those women the respect that they deserve. And he he kind of has a little hand in just sidestepping that whole experience and just letting Dan Snyder sit in France somewhere. Yeah, that's why. Whatever he does. That's why it'll be interesting to see on the Watson thing if, if he – if Goodell makes amends and throws a fat ass suspension at well, him, it just it just takes a New York Times article, apparently. <laughs> That's it. All right, let's uh, let's transition away from the government part and talk about fantasy football because you are two brilliant fantasy minds. So I want to start with Wes. Um, I don't know if you need time to study this throughout your busy workday. Probably have it all memorized on top of your head. But give me, in your opinion, in a PPR league. Who are the seemingly no-brainer top seven picks off the board in a league that's worth its salt? Uh, PPR for redraft. Um, it seems to be fairly straightforward. It's a little different than in previous years. Uh, previous years, I think you'd probably see four to five running backs taken with the, the first uh, five picks. But uh, going into this year, it's for me... Uh, from one to seven, it's Jonathan Taylor, uh, Cooper Cup, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Austin Eckler, and then seven, I, I have Derrick Henry. Henry was a, a beast prior to getting injured in, in week eight. He was, I think, 40 fantasy points above any other running back uh, at that point in time. So, So in the last... Two drafts, or I guess including this one. Are these the first couple of years that two or three wide receivers will go in the top seven as a matter of like this is the way it goes now? Um, because you know, when you came up playing fantasy football, to your point, you wouldn't dream of taking a wide receiver until the turn of the snake or whatnot. But now, you know, you name drop Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, as if it's like a foregone conclusion. So are, are we there now and we're there to stay? All right, I I think so. I mean, um, although the running back position seems to uh, plateau or or tail off after um, you know the first few uh, in in terms of um, how productive they can be, I I think the risk of injury at the top has scared off a lot of fantasy managers. Um, you know, look back historically over the last four or five years and uh, e even further than that, but you know, you have um, these high draft picks being spent on people that get injured. Uh, Dalvin cook, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Saquon Barkley. Um, that's just a, a few off the top of my head. Right, right here. I mean, that, 
that can just kill your fantasy season by having those guys miss uh, a bunch of time. You, you get a little bit more durability with the wide receivers. Okay. Yeah. That's one thing I've learned. I've come to the harsh reality and maybe you guys already knew it, or maybe you don't believe it yet, but if, if your first round pick gets hurt for the season, um, you're going to lie to yourself and you're going to say, all right, I got, I still got a puncher's chance and you can probably still reach the postseason. But as a matter of mathematics, when your first round pick goes down, you are not going to win the Super Bowl, the championship, because unless some idiot gives you a sweet ass trade, which they shouldn't be in your league in the first place, if they're an idiot and they paid um, like you, you just don't have the the guns to overcome that type of mathematical numerical production. Uh, that's the way the game works. And so, um, but you know, to keep hope alive, you gotta, you gotta tell yourself dirty little lies about, well, maybe my third round pick will turn into the next big thing. Uh, Cody, <laughs> is your top seven different than Wes? Want to rattle him off? Uh, yeah, it actually is. Uh, I naturally think dynasty. So mine's just a little bit different, <laughs> but, um, and to touch on both of y'all's points, uh, Dustin, you said something about receivers not maybe not being drafted so high. I'm looking at last year. No, no, have... I, I asked if it's the new like t- last year, Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams. <clears throat> yeah, the they were. Part. Yeah, they were not even in the top twelve in average ADP, and then you go to this year, really, and you got Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Kyle Pitts, Cooper Cup, all of those within the top thirteen. So Jeez. you can definitely see a shift uh, as far as running back goes, you go from having all types of guys in the top 12 last year. And then this year, the only one you have is uh Najee Harris and Jonathan Taylor. And, um, but as far as my top seven go, it's definitely Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Lamar Jackson. And I'm a big Kyle Pitts fan, so if it's a, in a league that gives you bonus tight end points, Kyle Pitts, you got to jump in that. Redraft, definitely you got to have more running backs up there. And oh, okay. I think that people people are for sure selling short on Christian McCaffrey. Um, and to also lay on to Wes's point, uh, with the injuries and it fluctuating so much at top, I, that's one reason I don't st- stay away from Jonathan Taylor. I mean, last year he <laughs> yeah. was he performed like the 101. So I'm am I going to try to catch lightning in a bottle and get that guy who's the number one running back in fantasy two years in a row, or am I going to try to pivot to maybe a Christian McCaffrey or a Javante Williams? DeAndre Swift is a good one. Dalvin Kirk. Yeah, Dalvin Cook, especially if he plays more receiver like they're talking about. Yep. I I think Dalvin's in for a big fantasy year, especially where he'll wind up in ADP. Uh, but yeah, also to what Cody was saying, um, usually the number one pick, uh, especially if they are a running back, uh, they don't reduplicate the success that they had in the previous year. So although Jonathan Taylor finished as the RB1, um, the stats and odds are against him to do the same thing this year. Wonder if we'll get to a point. I mean, I, don't, I, I highly doubt the past happiness of the league is going to trickle downward again, or even go back. I wonder if we'll get to a point where like six of the top seven will be wide receivers because they're just more durable. And, um, that might be a stretch just based on the, the number of good running backs there are versus good wide receivers, but well, it's it's definitely it's different than it was even five years ago because I was always taught 
and the strategy worked like your first four picks should be running backs, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it seems like if you do that, you might be a damn fool. Yeah. That running back by committee is definitely changing the <laughs> landscape. And then probably even some ripples from uh, the Christian Kirk deal. Once again, you know, we've got more people investing in receivers, drafting them more, signing them more. And that's just more featured weapons on the perimeter. Were you going to jump in with something, Wes? No. Nope. Okay, cool. Oh, that was it. All right, let's move on to a playoff topic. So <clears throat> there's some weird stat that Wes and I talk about each year on this show that it's like at least half the teams that reach the postseason the year before do not make it following year. And as, as challenging as that is to understand right now, it's like a science where it's just a tremendous parity in the NFL. So I want to start with Cody on uh playoff team so which team i guess you can call it a dark horse uh but which team do you know is going to make the playoffs and the rest of the world hasn't quite figured it out yet yeah so it wasn't i didn't know i had a secret favorite team so i started doing my notes on this one and after going over everybody and probably being a little biased from it and a little news tidbit earlier but i gotta go with mike tomlin and the pittsburgh steelers uh, you know, he's never had a losing season. And even though you got more question marks with Jaden Roethlisberger not being there, I think a revitalized Mitch Trubisky or, you know, Kenny Pickett could thrive in that nucleus. I mean, that is, if you wanted a nest for a rookie quarterback or a reclamation project like Trubisky, it doesn't really get much better than Pittsburgh. I mean, they added a bunch of solid pieces to their offensive line. I really like their second round receiver they took in George Pickens. And the defense could return back to its dominance that they're known for. Uh, you got Ogan Joby signed today. Miles Jack is playing middle linebacker there. And they were already a top defense last year. And I mm-hmm. think that they definitely just got stronger this this season. So you see him kind of cultivating that same little Petri dish that Roethlisberger maybe landed in, just maybe not as much oomph. Who, uh, who starts a quarterback in September 11th? Hmm. It's got to be Mitchell Trubisky. Okay. No, yeah. I don't know. It and could he, be Kenny Pickett. <laughs> and if Trubisky, if Trubisky is the dude, is he is he pretty good out of the gate, or is it a quick hook to Pickett and early? See, on? I, everything screams about it that they wouldn't have a quick hook. I mean, they were relentless about getting Mason Rudolph in there whenever Big Ben wasn't able to play, and no matter how bad he was going to play, <laughs> he wasn't. They weren't putting in someone like Josh Jobs, and then you yeah. even got um. Landry Jones before that, that guy mm-hmm. was no good. And they kept re-signing. Him. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think stability and Steelers go hand in hand. So, I mean, it, they, they could definitely favor that Trubisky veteran edge. And I think it really all comes down to just how far along Kenny Pickett is. Cause like we've talked about before, he played right there next to them. So they know all about Kenny Pickett. It just yeah, matters that's a good point. if he could drive this bus where it needs to go. That is a very good point. Uh, all right, Wes. So I know you weren't going to see this say the Steelers because you're notoriously low on the Steelers. Almost every conversation that's ever had on this show, um, bless your heart. So who is your team that you know is going to make the playoffs, but the rest of the United States hasn't figured it out yet? I've talked about them before on this show. It's the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins, they are uh set up for success they have a new head coach uh offensive minded head coach young um mind 
to help that offense grow, help Tua grow. Um, that offense is revamped. They added two or three running backs that any any one of them could um, you know, start and produce. Uh, it's going to create nightmare for fantasy managers in that sense. Um, they went out and got Tyreek Hill. They re-signed um, uh, la, 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 uh, their tight end. The second. <laughs> yeah, thank you. They got, went and got uh, an offensive line. Yeah, they got That's an offensive line, Armstead. which was really their Achilles heel. And then that defense, that is good last year. Relatively the the same from last year, and mm-hmm. it was good last year. Yeah, um, I talked previously about how you know they went on a seven loss streak and then turned it around and went on a, a seven game win streak, and first time in NFL history that's happened. Uh, so I I think they are poised for success, poised for a breakout, and. Uh, outside of Buffalo, there's there's a lot of question marks uh, remaining in their division. New England and Belichick, they'll always compete, but I don't know uh, with that roster construction if they'll be able to overcome some of the better teams. And the good news for your prediction, uh, Wes, is that they were right there last year. They're nine and eight. <clears throat> so yeah. it's not like they have to completely revolutionize everything they do. It's got to win one more game. And then they would probably be on that sixth or seventh seed uh, bubble, so to speak. Uh, so I have two because I'm not sure if my first one is fair. Of course, the guy who works at VikingsTerritory.com is going to say the Vikings. And uh, it's not that I think they're going to barnstorm and win the NFC North and Rodgers is done or anything weird like that. It's just that every Vegas website that I check has them at eight and a half wins. And uh, I try to take a step back and say, what am I missing? Team looks pretty good to me. Um, But then I quickly realized that the rest of the world doesn't have this enthusiasm or excitement about the new coaching staff like I do or you two do. Uh, So I think my cop-out answer is the Vikings because I really do think they'll finish about 11 and six and reach the postseason in O'Connell's first year. Um, However, if that's too much of a homer answer for the Vikings territory guy, then I'm going to say the Colts. And that's because they're, they're doing this quarterback carousel once again, but they're settling on a guy who's got a little bit more left in the tank than uh, the previous two dudes and their division sucks. Uh, I don't think the Titans are going to be very good. I think their little window, if you even want to call it that, is running out. Um, I've never been a gigantic believer in Tannehill, even though I think he's a pretty good quarterback. Uh, Texans, just no good. Again, this is like last year. You looked at their roster and you say, what what are they thinking? And then I think the Jaguars will be better, but I don't think that jumping from 3-14 and Uh, I don't think they're going to jump to something nuts like 10 and seven. So I think with a very easy schedule and, um, you know, within one choke job away from getting to the postseason last year, I'll say the Colts. Um, But maybe that maybe that isn't some big shocker. Maybe the rest of the world thinks the Colts are already going to make it. So uh, I've got the Vikings and the Colts um, for my two. Yeah, the Titans got to be the most forgettable number one seed in history. Yeah, it was so funny when they were tunneling towards that and everybody was like, ooh. (laughs) Same team that just lost to the Jets and then they turn around and they're whooping up on like the Chiefs and someone else, maybe the same. The same vibe that I got about them heading towards number one seed and nobody caring or nobody scared uh, is something I've mentioned on this show before is 
two two years ago in the playoffs, the same vibes when when Jared Goff in the playoffs when it was like, oh, his hand might be hurt. And they looked at the depth chart and they're like, oh, Johnny Wofford, that would work too. If there's not a drop-off between your quarterback one and Johnny Wofford, then you know you don't have the guy of the future. Yep. I, I, <laughs> just the, the lead up to that week when Rams fans were like, eh, Goff doesn't play, we don't care. It's like, oh, that's how you feel about him, huh? Because in a playoff game, you should be terrified that you don't have your QB. Oh, yeah. Like we were even spooked, what, 10 years ago when Christian Ponder couldn't play against mm-hmm. the Packers and he sucked. But still, we wanted, <laughs> we wanted, we thought, well, this guy, at least he's, he can do some cool stuff in the playoffs. And it was you know, um, maniacal thinking by us. But uh, still, we wanted our QB one to play. And when when Hollywood was just like, yeah, it doesn't really matter if Goff or Wofford play there interchangeable. I was like, oh, he ain't long for this world. Mm-hmm. So uh, speaking of Hollywood, uh, Dominican Sue played for the Rams a couple years back, and now he is a free agent. He will be 36 years old by the time this regular season ends in January is his birthday. And he has been credibly linked by a man named Tyler Dragon from USA Today. I had to check to see if that was a parody account because his last name was Dragon, for God's sake, um, to the Raiders and the Vikings. And I I don't know that there's interest from the Raiders in Sioux. Uh, There's a couple reporters from Las Vegas that said that they don't really he's not on their radar. Uh, But Sue tweeted he'd like to play for them. Um, But from the Vikings angle, it was like, oh. They're having conversations about Indomitian Sue uh, on my show an hour ago with Sally from Minneapolis and Ron saw um, they were like, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, Sally wasn't too high on it. Ron thought it would be pretty neat. That's usually how our show goes. So I want to ask you, Wes, uh, Indomitian Sue to the Vikings. Does that get you excited or would you rather just see Armin Watts? Um, I mean, uh, a durable body like that. I think he's missed two games in his career um and i thought you said current- ador- i thought you said adorable and i was so oh. did i and, I and adorable i thought you were still talking about sally <laughs> durable <for a> <laughs> and i an thought he was talking about indomitian suit it's like did he do the espn full nude magazine i i think he would uh i think he would work for the vikings uh i believe he currently holds uh the active game streak in the NFL. Um, So that would definitely help. It would provide some depth. I I don't know how much uh, playing time he would get and how much it would take away from, you know, some of the younger guys like Watt Mm -hmm. uh, Watts. Um, But I I have, if he does come back, I've got the Raiders down as the team that he probably winds up with. Um, They have, the money they they've already made splash additions this summer Devonte adams chandler jones mm-hmm. um it just it seems to me like a, a raiders move to make uh you know maybe that that's changed under josh mcdaniels in right, terms right. of the raiders making raider type moves but yeah <laughs> I think uh, Raiders moves just feel like Raiders moves, like no matter what. And it doesn't matter who's the coach. Uh, I think it just funnels up to that awful haircut at the top. And that when they make a move, it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's a Raider move. Um, All right, Cody. So Ndamukong Sue had a terrible 49.4 grade from pro football focus last year, the worst of his career. So it's either an age-related decline or an outlier season. Um, He's 
probably a Hall of Famer. He probably put that in the bag when the Chiefs or the Bucks beat the shit out of the Chiefs a couple of years ago. Uh, do you want to see him take a bunch of snaps at defensive tackle for the Vikings, or would you rather just have Ole Armin Watts in there? Well, originally, I I was thinking he would look way better on the Raiders, but y'all were playing yo-yo with me the whole time. Uh, the first half of that, I was like, oh, maybe he would be good on the Vikings. And then he hit me at that PFF grade and the age related <laughs> and it's like mm, that's not really a winning move but at the same time you know it never really hurts to bring championship pedigree to the team and that's something i think that they've kind of focused on is pedigree uh for our team and character and it feels weird saying that about Ndamukongsu <laughs> but um i will say the, the past couple years there's been moments to where you know it it does seem like he's you know, obviously, he's probably not the same player he was earlier on in his career. But uh, I think that it would say more about the direction this team is going. If we sign someone like Ndamukong Sue, we know we're pushing for the Lombardi. There is no developing anybody. We're going to try to get at least one good push out of this team and then maybe redo things next year. Uh, y'all probably know more about the way the roster's constructed in that sense than I do. But I got to also agree with both of y'all in the sense that Ndamukong Su looks like he was born for the silver and black. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was at one point when he signed with Miami, I think that the Raiders were also up there with trying to get him over there. And before he signed with Miami, I was like, he's going to the Raiders. He looks like a Raider. And I thought every, when he did sign with Miami, he looked weird in that uniform like some players do. Uh, however, I, I'm surprised he's still playing. I don't really, I'm not a big believer in Armin Watts. So um, I guess I'm really on the fence on it at the end, at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, I, I would endorse a Sue move, um, but I mean, I won't lose any sleep if he doesn't sign. Um, but the reason that I do is because down the stretch of the 2021 season, the Vikings defensive line um, was DJ Wanham, Dalvin Tomlinson, Armin Watts, and Sheldon Richardson on the other edge for some reason. This year, if the Sioux thing happens, it'll be Daniil Hunter, Harrison Phillips, Dalvin Tomlinson, Adamican Sue, and Zadarius Smith. And my God, mm-hmm. that sounds, uh, <clears throat> at least when you're staring at a piece of paper, you're like, these guys are in it to win it. Kind of like what you said, Cody. Yeah, and not then on- five touchdowns <laughs> again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and on a, on a grander glimpse at the death chart, especially on defense, we already know all about the offense. But the defense, you look down and say, my God, this is Daniil Hunter and Dominican Sousa, Darius Smith, Eric Hendricks, Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith. And it would be like, of course, these guys are going to make the playoffs. It would look like a star-studded defense. And that strategy worked for the Rams last year, uh, who employed a quarterback that isn't worlds apart from the Vikings quarterback. So um, the Sioux thing, the PFF thing, uh, great is concerning, um, but... He's also the type of dude that could probably fix that pretty quickly. And um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. It, it's an, also an interesting June topic to fall out of the sky because uh, <laughs> I've learned in this NFL uh, sports writing journey that this is the most arid month <laughs> for covering a football yeah. team because you're, you're searching for topics and then you're doing a lot of your uh, depth chart analysis. But when something like Sue shows up, you're like, oh, all right, I can get behind Yeah, this. He would look so weird in a Vikings jersey, too. It seems like one of those jersey swaps. You would be like, oh, gross. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Uh, all right, let's see. We got time. We got a, we're on a pitch, pinch count tonight. We got about nine and a half minutes left. And I want to 
start with Wes. So we talked about perhaps Roger Goodell making amends from a morality perspective and suspending Deshaun Watson's ass from anywhere from four to 17 games. Uh, who will start a quarterback if that happens? Is that is that is it Brissett who they signed? Yes. Or or is it Baker Mayfield or is it none of the above? Uh, Brissett. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Baker's done in Cleveland. Um, even though he's under contract for a year, um, he could creatively hold out. And um, I, I think I mentioned it before. It's kind of a um, Isaiah Thomas situation when he played for uh, the Celtics in the playoffs, played injured, and it wound up costing him uh, his next contract. Uh, Celtics, they traded him to Cleveland for Kyrie Irving, and uh, Thomas was never the same player. Um, Baker, he was playing with a uh, roughed-up shoulder for most of the last year, and um, at this point, it's been made pretty clear that Cleve- he's not in Cleveland's long-term plans. He kind of helped drag them back into uh, some sense of um, you know mediocrity or uh, decent play, and you know they turned their back on him. Uh, so I, if I were him, I would find a creative way to to not be ready for camp. Yeah, I think I think what he like an honest mistake. I think he mistook the the lore and legend of players playing hurt and you know like Favre used to do, but that's really only smart in a one game like situation where it's in it to win it all or nothing. If you play a whole goddamn season hurt, you're gonna look like an imbecile, and then people don't like he's this guy sucks. He was like the fourth worst ranked quarterback in all of the league, so I think he hurt himself trying to be that Iron Man when he doesn't have the testicles to be an Iron Man because he's flat out not that good. He's good and when he's healthy, but he's not that good. And I think he just overinflated what he could do, and it bit him in the ass. Uh, yeah. Cody, is it Brissett, Baker Mayfield, or an unnamed dude? Well, I would like to see Baker Mayfield uh, play one last season in Cleveland, one last hurrah. <laughs> I think it will be Jacoby Brissett as well. And what about that guy putting himself in prime? Well, maybe not putting himself, but ending up in prime position as far as substitute quarterbacks go. This yeah. guy started a game during Brady's suspension mm-hmm. his rookie year. He happened to be on the roster when Andrew Luck retired or they just traded for him or mm-hmm. something like that. Either they went way. with him for a whole year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you got, what was it, last year? Uh, Tua struggles. <laughs> so Jacoby Brissett gets in there. And then now he's like, you know, I'm going to go to Cleveland and back up either one of these two quarterbacks. And then all of a sudden we're talking about this dude maybe playing at yeah. least 10 games. At it's, least. Like the, it's like the reverse of Gerard Taylor, who it's always like, goes and yes. gets sneak bitten by bad shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jacoby's like, let's see here, doing the yeah, band well, meme. <laughs> yeah, Jacoby signs with your team. You're like, oh, no. Yeah, oh, he's going to play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, in uh, one minute or less, Wes, tell me your favorite moment from the 2022 NFL offseason, whether that's a player, a Vikings thing. What was your favorite moment? Uh, Devontae Adams to Las Vegas gets him out of the division. Weekends our biggest rival. Mm-hmm. Uh, great story. He re- reunites with his uh, college quarterback in uh, Carr. 
And then do you think that he'll have a couple years of prosperity with the Raiders, or do you think he'll turn into a 30 something wide receiver and, you know, meh? Uh, probably two or three. Okay. All right. So what, what is he? Did he just turn 30? Is he older than that? I think he's like 29. Devontae. Okay. All right. So that one is a good answer. Devontae Adams will not play for the Packers again. Yeah, that was my second one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that was a good tease. Uh, yeah. Devontae Adams' birthday is Christmas Eve. So he'll be 30 right around the time you're about to open your Christmas presents. All right, All right Cody. Your, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cody. Your favorite moment of the NFL offseason, whether it was a righteous, funny, Give it to me. Uh, to kind of tag team on the Vikings, uh, Zadarius Smith backing out of his deal with the Ravens. Yeah. Uh, who knew at the time that that could pay dividends we still don't know about? I mean, mm-hmm. this guy could go on to be a stud this offseason, and we're just thinking, man, thank goodness he backed out of that deal with Baltimore. Because he does, in a lot of ways, feel like maybe a final piece on that defense. You know, definitely a sore spot before he signed. After After he signed... Uh, Zadarius Smith made a lot of people feel a lot of better about that side of the defense, especially, I mean, you haven't heard anything about Anthony Barr, mm-hmm. not that it's the same defense, but still that's kind of the hole he's filling. Yeah. So definitely that one. And the Devontae Adams one, I mean, Wes made some great points. He's completely out of the conference. And I remember coming on this show, I think last year, or maybe it was, uh, your other show, but I talked about how Devontae Adams was a Viking killer. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy would come out and put up 12 receptions on you, and you don't you don't think twice about it. Yeah, Devontae and Akeem Hicks are the, the most recent Viking killers that every time in the last three years they get on a field, you know there's going to be terrorism sponsored. Yeah, he's Vikings. hurt in Dalvin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be saying at the TV. <laughs> well, yeah. you, you stole mine, Cody, and it, it wasn't necessarily that – Zadarius backed out on the Ravens, even though that enabled him to get to the Vikings. And I still, through a lot of internet sleuthing, I'm pretty sure that he backed out of the Ravens because somebody reported it before he even said, I'm going to play there. I think that pissed him off. Out of spite. Yeah, somebody ran with it. I don't know if it was the Ravens, but he was like, uh uh-uh, uh, I ain't doing that. Well, we I'm like so- pissed off football players. So. We do. And he's fun mm-hmm. too. I don't know if you watched 96 Questions. He had a, a goofy response, and that was pretty awesome. But the reason that I. That's my favorite offseason moment, A, because it was a Vikings item, and B, it was because that acquisition alone showed the Vikings fan base and the world that the Vikings are not rebuilding. And there was a big, big appetite for that for about a month after Zimmer and Spielman were Relief or fired was that all right? So are they going to trade Kirk, trade Hunter, and start over? And so when they re up with Kirk, they probably could have navigated life to figure out, yeah, can he mesh with this new guy? But when you sign Zadarius Smith um, from the rival team, the Green Bay Packers, that shows that this season that starts in 81 days for the Vikings, it's another all in season. Now they might not have the roster to be like the Rams of last year. Um, but this isn't going to be some shooting for the eight and nine stars, nor at all is it a rebuild. So there was no more evident smoking gun to me about the Vikings' immediate plans than when it turned out Zedaria Smith was going to sign. And then the way that he did it, like I think he posted on Instagram that he was here. And just like Patrick <laughs> Peterson, for some reason, these two guys want to be with the Vikings. And, you know, that gives you warm and fuzzies thinking, what do they know that some of the world doesn't? Because, you know, let's face it, they've been 15 and 18 the last two years, and they've been an emphatically mediocre team. 
Um, but now with Zedarius there, it, it, it was a, an action, not a bunch of lip service. It was an action that showed that these Vikings are going to take a stab at it. Once again, they've been doing this all in shit every year since about 2016. And we'll get to see if Cousins can be unlocked with his old pal, Kevin O'Connell. All right, gentlemen, why don't you spitball some some topics? This is usually prime territory for our ranking segment. I think last year, uh, Wes and Jason and I, we did running backs and wide receivers. So be thinking about uh, what you want to do for next uh, Wednesday show. And then Jason and or Marcus might be back. But uh, anything else with our 45 seconds left, gentlemen? <laughs> uh, no, I'm good. I'm good as well. Got nothing. <laughs> what about you, Wes? I'm good. I do want to mention, actually, um, Mm -hmm. we talked about Baker Mayfield uh, playing her and testicles. You know, the last player that did that was Brett Favre, and that didn't work out too well for him either with the Jets. A lot of people forget that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well, Favre just did it so routinely that, you know, it was second nature. And, of course, he did. And then when you have somebody trying to do it, it just isn't the same. And it was always epic. Like, whenever his father (laughs) passed away that game, I mean, you could watch that and get goosebumps today. Yeah. So, all right, gentlemen, you have a uh, lovely week, all right? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.